Welcome to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. You almost lost it, Kate. I almost did, because you pointed at me like I was going to say it, and I was oh. like, oh. <laughs> I did not have no intention of that. You're like, here we go. Here we go, I in three, two, <laughs> and I gave it over to you without telling you. No. Uh, What's up? <laughs> hello. Been hello. a while for yeah. us, not for the listeners. It feels like it's been a while because we had such a, we had like a heavy yes. schedule for a second. Just we for did. us, not for you guys. Yeah, not for the listeners. The listeners don't, are, they feel like we're, we get to just casually drop into their ears. This is the, exactly what time they thought we were, they were going to hear Yeah, us. exactly. And we're this happy to be here. This is the same puzzle here. I feed Poppy with. I'm You're, sorry, I just noticed this. Kate is looking at a, 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 a dog puzzle. puzzle for putting treats in. Yeah, you put little kibbles in and stuff. We feed her all of her food out of this thing. All of her food? Yeah. You make her work for it? Yeah, every time. She's never eaten out of a bowl. That's so funny. I mean, she likes it. Great. You know, and if she's eating it. Yeah. Yeah, you hope she likes it. She could be resenting you. <laughs> yeah, <your> really. <laughs> All the hoops I got to jump through to just okay. eat food. Just, just to fucking have what I want to eat <laughs> to sustain my life. It's supposed to help them not eat too fast and get big belly aches. Oh, I didn't I know think. that. Yeah. Well, Dot doesn't tend to eat a lot, so and we don't give her treats all the time. So, But it's fun to watch them do it. It's funny. It's very funny, especially when <laughs> Sorry. Dot really can't. We? We're getting real dog dog at the top <laughs> of this up. episode. Um, well, this week is the final um, episode um, of the Universal Machine. Yeah, uh, we're gonna be it's part three, and we're gonna be covering uh, chapter five, uh, which is the final issue slash chapter of the Universal Machine. Yeah, very exciting stuff. But before we're gonna get to that, we got some segments for you. Segments. <laughs> Our first segment is a segment we know listeners love it. Um, it's hell to pay. <laughs> Um, this week's Hell to Pay is very <laughs> comic book um, heavy on two um, releases that will be coming out in 2020 um, that they announced um, just shortly, if a while back or a week or two from, definitely it's old news um, yeah. based on when this episode is dropping, but who cares? We're going to still okay. talk about it. Yeah. The first one coming um, is exclusively... On uh, multiversitycomics.com, they announced this. This is Frankenstein Undone. I'm having a hard time opening my link. There we go. Oh, here we go, yeah. What it says right here is, In the Hellboy Universe fan community, Mike Mignola and Ben Stenbeck, um, who does the art, Frankenstein Underground routinely comes up as a favorite one-shot spinoff. And we, were, and we here at Mignolaversity love it, too. However, if it left you wanting more, you'll be happy to know it won't be a one-shot spinoff for much longer. This January, Mignola and Stenbeck are reuniting for Frankenstein Undone, a prequel to Frankenstein Underground. The five-issue miniseries will see Frankenstein's monster struggling to live with himself in the wake of the events from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein novel. So, cool. Yeah, pretty cool. And that is coming out of the official date of release will be January 29th, 2020. 32 pages, full color. Um, I think this, that, that'd be the first issue, I believe. I yeah. believe it's not, not a one-off, so it'd be five issues. That's great. I've never read his Frankenstein or the Frankenstein mm -hmm. on Underground as of yet. Have you ever 
Kate read the original Frankenstein? I'm just curious. No, no. Have you? I have. It's very good. I think it's worth a read. It's really cool. I'll check it out. I think it's very fun. I think it's gothic. Apparently it was just like, from the little I know of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, outside of just reading it once, I believe that like her and a bunch of other writers were just like meeting up and they just challenged each other to write scary stories. That's and pretty that's where cool. That came about. It was just her writing group. Yeah, I heard <laughs> that's that. Pretty awesome. Again, there's probably somebody out there that has more knowledge about that, but that's what I heard. But it, it's very cool. It's more like about uh like father son relationship than you think than just a straight up I'm a monster because it's him sort of sense. dealing with the monster dealing with his like humanity now that he's this thing and also feeling abandoned by his his uh, father. Yeah. Yeah, so it's I've, it's very cool. I thought it was a good read for an old classic. It seems interesting. Yeah, all about like creation and God and dads and stuff like that. Yeah. Heavy, heavy shit. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a cool, exciting little uh, thing that will be coming about. Um, also, a couple of things I wanted to add is that Scott Alley is also returning as a writer, a co-writer with Mignola on this Frankenstein story. And this is what Ben Steinbeck had to stick to say in regards to this part of this um, article that about the release. Ben said a lot of the series is about getting him off the ice and back to the world. What he means by ice is that that story ends up with him frozen in Arctic, like oh. when he's going after his father. Oh, cool. What life was like for him up north and the conflicts he deals with this meaning that monster with him coming back to the world of men. He's got a lot of baggage to sort through after the events of Shelley's book. And this series is about him doing that or trying to at least. Um, and then he continues to say, there's something in issue number three I'm pretty happy with. It's unique and a bit weird, but it somehow manages to fit in with our Mignola verse creatures really well. I think trying to hit that note can be a bit hit and miss, but I feel like I managed to get there with this thing. Other than that, this isn't, this isn't a very design. Uh, isn't a very design heavy book. It's grounded in the real world a lot more than Frankenstein Underground was. Cool. So, I uh, having not read uh, Frankenstein uh, Frankenstein Underground, I don't know what that fully means in regards to design and but it sounds like it's going to be a good interesting read. Yeah. It is interesting that even though like BPRD is officially ended, they're like definitely keep expanding on the Mignola verse. Yeah. And this being an example. I'm sure it makes them a good amount of money. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And they just want to write stories. Yeah. Too. But it's cool because it's like also colored by Bren, uh, Brennan Wagner and Dave Stewart. And once again, lettered by Clem Robbins. So a cool thing to put in all of our holds Heck at the yeah. comic book store. And again, that's coming on January 29th, 2020. And again, it's called Frankenstein Undone. Very cool. Um, and then the second thing um, to highlight in Hell to Pay was announced just a couple of days ago as well. Based on this recording, not when you're actually listening to it, it is the new Hellboy Winter Special. It's a big January. Yeah, it's very interesting because I think the last one came out before Christmas, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah. I could be wrong. I guess that's why it's the winter special. Not the yeah, winter. not like a holiday special. Yeah. But they released the official cover for this. I think the cover is very cool. Yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. Classic Mignola cover, but like a corpse with the. I like that sort of like green gold uh, title too. Yes. It's cool. It's another thing I missed too. I think we pointed out like definitely in the Wake the Devil issues, they were changing the, the, 
the uh, the color of the title like yeah. almost every issue, and then they stopped doing that. Yeah, at least from what we've read so far, and it's it's nice to see them vary it up a little bit like that. So I agree. But that corpse with the holly around its head, and oh, Hellboy! Hellboy looks extra ragged. I think in this yeah, cover, he's looking rough. and he has a bell around his neck. So yeah, so there's going to be three stories like the last issue. And I think that's might be the norm for all of them. Is it's three short stories in one issue, and they bring in a bunch of people. So the people in the cover is it's Mignola, Chris Robertson, Scott Alley, Mark Laszlo, Lila Del Duca, Andrea Muddy. Dave Stewart, Michelle Madsen, Lee Rothridge. So a lot of cool collaborators. Um, it looks like Mignola's not illustrating in it. He's just writing. A lot of cool collaborators and the colorists of Doris are Dave Stewart, Michelle Madsen. I believe we've seen work by Michelle Madsen in the past that we've covered. Yes. And Lee Roth, uh, Lothridge. I hope I'm saying that name right. But it's cool. It's a, a little one shot that will be coming out on January 15th, 2020. 32 pages as well. You know, a little cheap little price, $3.99 for all those great stories. Yeah. Um, the little snippet that they shared, which I'm pulling from is CBR.com. They say, meet a ghostly miser in alternate reality. Fear the bugam of rural New York and embrace the wrath of St. Hagen in this trio of occult winter tales. The familiar faces of Hellboy, Sarah Jewell, and the legendary Knights of St. Hagen will help you ring in the new year with all the shivers you can take, and not all of them from the cold. <laughs> so I think it's very cool. Have you, you haven't read any of the winter specials, have you? No. I have only read the one that was the last year's. And I really, there's a Lobster Johnson one story in there that's really cool. Oh, cool. So when, when, whenever I we can't get, wait to get to it. I know, right? <laughs> We're sticking strict to our... I'm Toronto. pretty strict to it, yeah. Yeah, but it it's definitely a fun read. So I'm excited to see them continue this, like, um, tradition. Yeah. Our little, our little Hellboy <laughs> holiday or slash New Year tradition winter. Yeah. So those are two cool things coming, you know? Even though... You feel like the BPRD and that major storyline has ended. They they're still cranking these out. Yeah, expanding on the the I'm universe. Sure we won't see like the very end end of it for a long time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's it for hell to pay. Yeah. Um, our next segment. We can't do it without you listeners and emailers. This one is, oh boy, email. email. <laughs> <laughs> we have a another one from our you know resident professor. Mr. Richard Pittaway. Hello, Professor. This email comes from him, and it's titled Black Flame Parts 1 and 2. He says, Dear Hellcasters, I included the German in my translations for two reasons. I wanted to be clear which part of the story was translating, and I wanted to make my life easier by translating from a line directly above what, what, what I was writing. Never did I dream you would attempt the entire sentences or I would have included a pronunciation guide for you. Ouch! <laughs> Real elongated ouch he put in there. We knew it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to subject everyone to that. Yeah, but, you know, it's, we giggled about it because yeah. we knew how bad it was. It was rough. It was almost like a I joke. I it was bad. Yeah. Hey. It was, I mean, I knew it was going to be... Yeah, it was going to be horrible. Yeah. But I always... Said I will read everything in an email. That's right. Then he continues. But hearing you read the translations made me realize that I had left something out. <clears throat> Johan, when speaking to the ghosts initially, referenced the reunification. 
This is referring to the reunification of Germany, which the ghosts would be ignorant of, having died during the Cold War. This during the conversation about how lonely everyone is. The ghosts, who lived during a time where World War World War II was a living memory, would have been facing prejudice and isolation, making them feel isolated from other Americans. Johan is saying that he is lonely, but is not because of his being German, which just isn't seen the same way, especially since the reunification of Germany. Cool little like detail. To, yeah, like, that's awesome. T- touching there, attempting to relate to these ghosts, but they're definitely from a different time. Yeah, and he's like, uh, it's not because I'm German. It's because I'm a I'm an ethereal form. <laughs> yeah, it's because I'm, I'm a made, walking ghost. Yeah, I'm made of ectoplasm. <laughs> uh, and he says, that being said, I would be I would be delighted to speak on your show or call in and leave a voicemail. So put me down for in favor of of personal interaction. Great. Um, we're still in the works of that. It probably will. If that comes about, it'll probably be in season four and so yeah. forth. Maybe we could spare the poor German language any more abuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can speak it better than us. Yeah. I mean, just don't put it in the emails. Sorry, German speakers. <laughs> yeah, sorry for all the German speakers yeah. out there. We butchered your language. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then he continues on to the black flame. When I think of myself as professor, I would like to think of myself as a professor broom type. Uridic? Um, oh, shit. E-R-U-D-I-T-E. What? Oh, erudite. Erudite. Thank yeah. you. You're good. <laughs> erudite, skillful, and able to be a field worker in a pinch. However, I am self-aware enough to realize that I am more like Professor O'Donnell. Passionate, sometimes incoherent. <laughs> this is the crazy guy with the big eyes. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he's wonderful. Such a funny character. <laughs> it's like, it, yeah, it feels like, of course he would exist yeah. in this world. About th- and he continues, about things I'm fascinated with. A little nuts from having looked too deeply into the abyss and probably in need of mind uh, minders to keep me safe from myself and others. Uh, I Maybe reminders to keep myself, I think it might have been a typo. Sorry. Sorry, Professor. Um, <laughs> others. So he just needs reminders to keep himself safe from myself and others. I was well known in my units um, for getting so involved with problem solving that my soldiers would have to make sure I got food and rest. Wow, man. <laughs> you really? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you know. I guess like you got you're some focused, people around you. So focused, yeah. I've done I've done that. Or I forget to eat breakfast and my first meal of the day because I'm just focused on whatever I have oh, going yeah. on in the morning. I'm bad at that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I'll forget to eat. It's not good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you just become so focused. I definitely do the same thing. Where it'll be like four o'clock and I'm like, Oh, I didn't eat a single thing. That's why I'm so crabby right now. Exactly. Yeah. Done it myself. He continues, I remember the first time I read this story and the death of Roger tore me up. He is such a great character and he has all the childlike wonder of a newborn with the knowledge of the occult inherent in his making. I also identify with the magpie-like compulsion to accumulate objects, which reminds me of people I've known and places I have been. Yeah, it's, I mean, totally great. You, you've I mean, I feel like it, sometimes there's people that keep that, but I've had, I had like a period where I did that. I think I was a little more of a hoarder. I mean, I kept a lot. Yeah. I would keep like a lot of things, even as like a little kid, I sort of have stopped, but I definitely like 
have still like little doodads from when I was like young. Yeah. I mean, I used to try to do the thing where I was going to keep every movie uh, a stub oh, and then eventually I was I like, have, why? Dude, I found a pencil case in my old bedroom full of old movie stubs. And now I'm like, I can't get it. I haven't collected them in decades, but I've found like all of these ones up to like 2002. Yeah, that's and I'm like, like I, I don't want to throw these out now. Oh, wow, you didn't throw them out. I still I, have them. I still have them. Before I moved to LA, I was like, what are you doing? Toss these. I, I really yeah. should. I really should. <laughs> it's I mean, okay. They, I have a couple things still in my like mom's house that I'm like, ah, we'll throw it out eventually. <laughs> <I> <laughs> when all this like mental that. illness clears up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all my crazy hoarding. <laughs> I still have like toys and things that are not going to get thrown away. Oh, yeah, dude. Well. I have all those wizard magazines. That came yeah. with me. Like Wow, I can't believe you travel with that. I mean, I travel with quite a lot, but it was yeah. What a journey that they've gone on. Yeah, for real. <laughs> uh but yeah, that definitely something that's relatable that um Roger a trait that Roger either adopted or so forth. Yeah. He says, "I come by these hoarding instincts honestly." but I have to struggle to keep my life from looking like Roger's room. <laughs> I also like the term discorporated, discorporated. Yeah. To describe his new state. Thanks to good omens on Amazon prime for the term. I haven't watched yet. I think we've had a reference of it earlier and yeah. I haven't had the chance to watch it yet. Since disincorporated merely means his body was destroyed. It leaves open. What is happening with his spirit? Uh, I mean, that's very much, where we're at right now and, and yeah. definitely what we're going to touch on um, later in this episode about this issue. So this is serendipitous that this email is happening <laughs> yeah. and this issue on this episode. Sounds crazy. Yeah. And then he continues speaking of the items in the room, there's a piece of scrimshaw in there, which he probably picked up in new England. Scrimshaw is a carved well tooth ivory. Some are quite elaborate because it's like there's much, there's, much else to do. There's not much else to do on a ship. I actually have a piece somewhere that has been in the family for years. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that's what it was called. Scrimshaw. I feel like I've heard the word scrimshaw. Never knew what it was until now. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I, I knew it was something nautical. Right. But I didn't realize that's what it was. Well, now we know. Yeah. Professor's always teaching us. All right. He puts some semi-German in here. So, you know, you can't blame me. Johann declares, <laughs> was zum Duffel, was du zum Teufel. That's what the proper like pronunciation he put in yeah. there. When he sees Roger's remains, this is directly what in the devil, but would probably be better translated as what the hell. He then says Roger was a person. Then he says he was a mensch. This is another translation issue. Mensch literally means man. But when you call someone a mensch, it means they were a good man and a solid, dependable friend. So this isn't him just repeating himself. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like I've heard mensch is like more of like a uh, that kind of sense. So good again, man it's like a layered kind of thing for him to call him where it's like he is human man and he's also a good man. Yeah. Good That's friend of cool. mine. What are you doing? Yeah. That is very layered and very touching and, yeah. and gives a great depth to that moment. Heartbreaking once again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he continues on to say, speak, speaking about this moment in uh, Black Flame, Chinaman. So this, which we called out as being like a little yeah. dated, this is what he has to say about it. He's like, Chinaman was an older term for an Asian person. It's after the popular, popularity of Oriental, but before we began using Chinese person. 
It's not impolite for the time period, or at least no more than calling someone an Englishman or a Frenchman, even if that person was not from those countries, but spoke a language from that region, such as Belgian, which can sound like French to someone from someone else, mm. from some from elsewhere. Sorry. It's interesting to me, though, because Damio is clearly not old enough to have used that term. So it's either an artifact of his parents' speech or perhaps the mystical Chinaman prefers that form of address as he is old enough to remember it as a standard use. Mm. So that's very interesting. Yeah. It's like less of a derogatory term. Uh, right. I don't. Yeah, it doesn't I, seem like he's like. I agree. Ca calling him like a slur, but it's like. It just our yeah. day and age, it's going to stand out right. to us. I yeah. agree. But it is interesting that like it's almost he's using it as Mr. or like something of like he like he better articulated this, but it's like of respect in a sense. Yeah. His tone. I just thought his tone in the in the comic, he's irritated, but it's, it's he's not like irritated, but not because he's like. I'm being racist. No, yeah, he's you? irritated because of the situation yeah. he was in, and that guy's showing up in the wrong time. <laughs> you know, yeah. he had to do whatever he needed to do, which we haven't even we don't know yet fully. Yeah, he was just more like not right now. But that's a cool insight to that. I think. Yeah. His email continues. The Black Flame's what is so iconic? I think up until that point, he thought that as the Black Flame, he was Kathaham, or at least would inherit its power. Yeah. This is, yeah, hundred percent. I think that's totally. why we found it so funny and. It's, it is an like, iconic, fun moment of him realizing he was wrong. <laughs> right. He, he says, this is the moment where the frogs are in, essentially letting him know that he is merely the beacon. It's a bit of a letdown, I imagine, going from I am God to I am a tool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, big time. And I think that's, I think that's what's so funny about it, <laughs> realizing yeah. you're just a cog in the machine. It's like, oh, I've been used... Yikes. <laughs> says, I love the design of Kathahem, though. The anatomically morphology changes from page to page, which draws from Lovecraftian's descriptions of non-Elucidian. How do you say that? Euclidean? Non-Euclidean. Non-Euclidean. Mm, I've never heard the word, but thanks, Professor, for introducing it to my life. Non-Euclidean spaces and beasts. Euclidean is relating to or denoting the system of geometry based on the work of Euclid and corresponding to the geometry of ordinary experience. I still don't understand. What I that think means. what he's meaning is it's like it's just like it's based on like what we see in reality, like yeah. our own. So he's saying that the descriptions that Lovecraft were 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 outside of that non-Euclidean. Because a lot of Lovecraft, when I the what I do know of Lovecraft is like one of the things. It's like is beyond like, comprehension. Yeah, and shit like that. That's it's what like, would draw you mad. Draw drive you mad yeah, is because you couldn't like, comprehend because yeah, it would be outside your, brain your reality. Is just getting ripped open. Great. So I, I agree. I think that the design of uh, Kathahem is very much what he is saying here. And he said, and he continues repeating this, non-Euclidean spaces and beasts whose anatomy defies description. It has little grub legs, then it's more worm-like, then a tripod seems to appear. It has no head, then a head like the elemental in Hellboy 2, the Golden Army, then just a mass of tentacles surrounding a flame. Yeah. Yeah, it's constantly changing in the that would drive you crazy. Yeah. Like, why would you, you didn't know, how, how do you deal with it? I mean, especially from a military point of view, it's you'd be like, like we yeah. start one of thing and then it changed. It's like, oh, well, well now what do we do? Yeah. It's like the most terrifying concept. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. If that showed up in our world, I would just, I would just stay inside. I would be one. I would, I would die. I mean, <laughs> 
You, you know? just give up. Yeah. Funny. Then he continues. I've seen the survivor's guilt that happens when soldiers die. I've heard it's even worse for commanders because they order the people into danger knowing they may not come back. I was fortunate to never lose anyone under me, but I knew a lieutenant who committed suicide over that responsibility. It's a horrible burden, so I really believe Damio's re- resignation and even Director Manning's refusal. Yeah. So it's very much, yeah, it's an intense moment um, when you stand back and look at where they're coming from. Yeah, so. I can't even imagine. Ugh, yeah. Especially now, like in the Universal Machine, which we're in, we're seeing that it's compounded also in addition to all the men he lost. Yeah. Before his resurrection. Yeah. So there's there's some deep wounds and shit in there and re- probably remorse that he's still dealing with. Yeah. That makes sense. Especially being brought back. That has to be like, why me? That kind of question. Yeah. Very ugh, heavy stuff in this wonderful book. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, Manning is the quintessential civilian oversight. Someone who didn't come up from the ranks seeing people lost, but a politician to whom casualties are merely numbers. Yeah, I mean, he does. We've talked about how he sees stuff more from that point of view where he's doing it. It's like you don't you sort of dislike him, but also it's like it's not he doesn't hide that. He's not being menacing or right malice about it. It's just that's how the, he sees the world. Yeah. Uh, which is complicated. Ultimately, though, we need that civilian oversight because there are things that are worth the sacrifice, such as a Lovecraftian Damien, demon uh, destroying the world. And it's good to have some insulation. That's how politicians sleep well at night, even during wartime. <laughs> You're right about that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hard. I would. I don't want to make those decisions. I. I would. I no. don't. I would. I feel, feel incapable of yeah. making those hard decisions. And then he closes out by saying, "Sorry that I got a little dark at the end there, but so did the comic." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think if it's like you know, if it still resonates with a person who actually was in the military like then there is some like truth in that storytelling and stuff like that it's it's not the worst thing if you can kind of see yourself in these characters even in these like dire situations yeah Um, and i think it's proved too that that is an example of like we have all these characters starting with hellboy and so forth that are supernatural or have supernatural elements to them yeah but they still are grounded in very um in humanity yeah and people find like Professor and ourselves and other readers um, and our listeners find relatability within even these fantastical situations and yeah. cre- characters. Yeah. Which is, again, another testament to why this comic is in these in this Mignola verse is one of the best. Yeah, it just speaks to so many people and at a really deep, heavy level like that and it still does it successfully like it's... Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and it has that depth, but also can just drive its story forward. Yeah. It's pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, totally. And he could just says, one. Um, lastly, as always, love your show, Professor Pitaway. Oh, thanks for writing. Yeah, and thanks, Professor. Cool. Um, sorry if I misspoke at all during your email. It was great. We love it. You educate us a lot. Uh, we have one more email. Uh, this comes from uh, another regular emailer, Joshua Brooke. Hey. Uh, hello. <laughs> this one's fun. It is titled More Questions, Ellipses, but don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark and Kate. Yet another great episode, and thanks for answering my questions. Your answers got my brain churning with two more questions, but don't panic. 
<laughs> These questions are not like my previous ones in that they require a little less thought. <laughs> cool. Hey, we'll take it. It's though. good for me. <laughs> yeah, our brains are yeah. uh, weak, small. <laughs> uh, he says, "Questions: Where, if anywhere, would you like a Hellboy slash BPRD story to take place, and what um, sort of plot elements can you see happening in that setting?" So he's going to give an example before we can, uh, he says, as stated in my previous email, I think York in Northern England would be a good setting given its history and could easily see Hellboy being caught between confused Roman and Viking ghosts who are fighting it out, stuck in a limbo, having died trying to conquer the city. And then he continues, Just this is just sort of his insight and then we can answer. Yeah. As a complete out there other setting, the Las Vegas Strip is his suggestion. That's cool. And it's very cool. For some reason, I can see see Hellboy shouting boom, flipping roulette tables, and using gambling-related puns while fighting the giant animated MGM lion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, what that's, that's his first question to us. Is there anywhere we would like to see in Hellboy or a BPRD story take place? And what sort of plot elements do you, would you happen to have said in that? Oh, man. My immediately go to, I would like to see him, and I don't know if I have all the plot points ready to go, but I would like to see Hellboy, or the, it could be a BPRD, be called to Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah. <laughs> and have to deal with sort of that weird Mormon mythology and what sort of ghosts would arise yeah, out of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, because it has its own weird yeah, there's rituals. Of, yeah. Things that are very stolen. Uh, from like other like they stole from the Masons a lot a lot of their stuff and their symbolism. I don't know too much myself about about Mormons. I grew up Mormon and I don't know yeah. that much. But there is like I mean it's very is much a, Christian. Is there like a secrecy that's like part of it, or is that like just me? I'm just ignorant. Like if I wanted to learn about it, I'm sure I could. You could easily learn yeah. about it. Yes, it's now like it, maybe at one point it was very secretive. I mean, they definitely were. They they have their own like area of being persecuted in a sense but mm -hmm. also if you dive into that a little deeper it's sort of like they're persecuted but also they, they were you could argue that there's a little bit of like con artisty yeah elements to it as on. well you know what i mean from joseph yeah. smith and so forth yeah there's there's arguments for both sides you know what i mean yeah but i i would just like him to have to take place like maybe downtown Salt Lake near their like Mormon <laughs> temple. There's a lot of just interesting, weird stuff. Like I would love it if it was just him having to deal with Joseph Smith. And maybe if I wrote it, I would be more in the element of like Joseph Smith is like a ghost that has to like help Hellboy or one of the BPRD. But also in that, in that discussion, it's like, he's not, he hasn't moved on because he's like, yeah, I kind of lied about some of this stuff. <laughs> I have to come clean about stuff. <laughs> That's how I would write it from my like, you should write something view. about it. <laughs> I mean, even if it's not like hell, it doesn't have to be like Hellboy fan fiction, but it could be like, I feel like you could write that where just someone finds that ghost. ghost and, and that like, happens. Well, here's the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And then I'd get like banned from Utah. Which yeah, would be really. Okay. You wouldn't be allowed. I mean, I've never been. It looks pretty. Their parks are pretty. Yeah. I mean, pictures. their temples, I don't think that we need them, but they're pretty. Yeah. They seem like. Uh, useless costs. I know that they're tough on they're tough on gay people. Yeah, they're terrible. Yeah, they're dumb. Yeah, they're bad. But I mean, <laughs> a lot of religions are guilty of that shit. Yes. Um, where would I put Hellboy? Like, I mean, yeah, I guess that is the the thing. Is like, I want to see where 
like, you know, sort of an area where I grew up. Like if it was like a, I mean, he's been to like a New England town. It'd be cool to see him in like Pennsylvania. Like, it's not like you could really, I wonder what you would even do with like Quakers. Quakers are too nice. And like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just like sit quietly and like feel God. Well, they also invented like, um, like isolation, like in prison. Uh, what is it? Like, fuck, what's the term for it? Where you're like isolated for like an extended period of time. Um, Fuck. I really don't know. Oh, solitary confinement. They invented, solitary. Well, I'm sure they didn't they invent it. So, but they, they didn't invent it necessarily, but like, I think in, um, in America, they like popularized it in jails and there's this crazy, like there's this, uh, Eastern state penitentiary prison is like in Philadelphia and it like has, it like did that. Like a lot of people were in their own individual cell and you were basically supposed to like look out the window and like see the sun and think about God and be like, Oh, I'm better now because I did that. But instead you're just like did something criminal and ended up, you know, being completely losing your mind. Cause you're just like by yourself all the time. Yeah. It's crazy. So maybe that, maybe you could go to Eastern state penitentiary. All right. They do like <laughs> fucking haunted houses there all the time now though. So it's a pretty explored, it's well-trodden territory, I guess. Yeah. Um, but something like that, like there's all kinds of, and you can't like, you know, throw a rock without hitting like some sort of like, like Washington slept here and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like there's all kinds of like revolutionary war stuff around there. I like that. My, my only other pitch would be, and this isn't specific, it's very broad, is I would like to see Hellboy maybe interact with like really well-known, um, like these, I would just consider these maybe one shots of like really well known, like urban American urban legends or American, like yeah. modern, like more modern day, like uh, contemporary, like myths. Yeah. Kind of Mothman kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be fun to see. It'd be see. cool to see him go to like India. I feel like Indian gods oh, are the, that'd the be fucking cool. coolest and they're like demons and stuff. I don't know that actual terms for these things like i'm sure i'm americanizing slash christianizing those right. terms like they probably don't call their deities demons or gods right. or, I, I but i truly don't know i'm realizing how ignorant i am of so many things right uh, on this ish, episode <laughs> yeah and <I'll, laughs> like, i don't know shit um but the, i mean i know that they just like look cool and like i don't know that might be neat I think that's a great pitch. If not to, blasphemous, I don't know. But I guess all this shit is. Who knows? Yeah. To a lot it of people. It would be cool. Like, I love when he went to, like, in Heads, when he goes to Japan. That was yes. really cool. Just, like, somewhere that he's not usually, you know? Yeah. It's, like, I, cool to see Mignola dip into these other areas. I agree. It'd be cool to see, like, yeah, I don't know. Something something like that. Yeah. I don't have, I mean, uh, we're, we're taking this question off the cuff, not really like prepping it. So there's a lot of cool ideas out there that you could take him. I think the people, and there's probably a lot of myths that we don't know about that would yeah. be cool to like, sort of like wrap up. Like I was just thinking mythology. like, I don't know that much either about like Polynesian religions or like, like Maori or something like that. Like yeah. there might, there's probably all kinds of like cool stuff about their folklore that I've just never heard. I should get a book. <laughs> yeah. We should sh read a damn book. But I, I love the idea of Hellboy interacting with the, like the Hawaiian Island gods and That'd things like cool, that. That'd be cool. Yeah. I think that sounds really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's endless possibilities that you could send him or the BPR to. Yeah. BPRD to. And it'd be great. 
It's a great question. Is it poses? He would like survive a volcano. He could like fall into a volcano, right? Hell yeah, He'd be he okay. could. I mean, I would assume he could. That's what I would think. <laughs> Let's put him up against a volcano and see what happens. <laughs> I love that. I want to hear from our listeners. I say I, this, is, this question is an open invitation. Send us what you would think. We'll definitely in the in the future uh, probably will not be touched on your emails um, until after until season four. But I think this question that. Um, that uh, Joshua Brooke has posed is open ground for all of our listeners to add to. We want to hear your way. Yeah, you that would, would put Hellboy so cool. on the BPRD. Yeah. Cause it's, there's so many fun ideas. I know that we, we can't know them all. And then you probably are more well-informed about that. You know? yeah, exactly. Like you could be like, Oh, <laughs> this is a cool piece of folklore. It'd be neat for him to check out. Very Cause he cool. doesn't do that many. I feel like he doesn't do that many in America either. So I wouldn't hate seeing one. And unless we haven't read one that he's touched on stuff like, uh, what the Jersey devil and things like that. Or yeah. Like Mothman. As soon as you said Mothman, I was like, Oh yeah, that'd be interesting to see like Mignola's take on Mothman. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I bet he would just draw him so cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, his second question comes, he says, also, if Hellboy were to appear in our world and was accepted as much as he is in the Mignola verse, what sort of regular job would you see him getting as, as ghosts, monsters, and the BPR don't really exist that much in our world? He immediately says, I think construction slash demolition crew is a perfect fit for Hellboy. <laughs> as deep down, I think he's just a regular hardworking guy who wants to get his job done down a few beers. D- he wants to get his job done, then down a few beers and hang out with the boys. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Like, what if he just existed in our world, was accepted, no, like, but there wasn't a BPRD? What would he do? I mean, construction makes sense. I don't know why I'm thinking marine biologist. Like, he would be... Like, because he could go so deep into the ocean. He could, like, I don't know, just collect samples for other people. Like, it's basically still what he does. It's like, go investigate this area and come back with, like... Yeah, I immediately think of, like, him doing... He might be... If there's no BPRD, I immediately go, he's just going to be, like, an archaeologist or an anthropologist. Like, I see him immediately, like, being gravi- like gravitating towards that kind like of still job. wanting to be around old places. Yeah, and investigating into that. I think he could definitely be a construction worker too. For sure. He has the build for that and yeah. the hard work and yeah. He'd be good at it. Carpenter maybe. I mean, I don't know what I was right. I mean, a right-handed, you got to think of like his right-handed doom. I yeah, get in the way of some of those jobs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not working hmm. at a coffee shop, you know, like he's. It would, yeah. It would just be like, he, that would bore him. Yeah. He couldn't do that. No. He's got to be outside. Definitely. Has, I, you know, park ranger. Yeah, I could see Park Ranger, solitary, he, yes, majesty of nature. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, that's a fun question too, and also would love to hear from our listeners. Yeah, about that. It's really fun. These are great. These are very delightful questions from you, uh, Joshua Brooke. Thank you so much. He closes out his email by saying, "Once again, great podcast. Look forward to it every week, and keep up the good work, Josh." Oh, thanks. Yeah, we really appreciate thanks for that. Your email. I like those questions. Like, it's cool to think about that stuff. Yeah, I really like these questions a lot. It's very fun. I'm really I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Park Ranger. I want to see Hellboy as a Park Ranger. Yeah, and it's just feel like he'd be very helpful, and that solitude seems very right up his alley. Yeah, <laughs> and he'd be like dealing with somewhat dangerous animals, but be like cool about it. Oh, he'd be so nice to them. Yeah, 
You could catch him petting a moose. Yeah. <laughs> but that is this um, episode's segment of Oh Boy Email. email. Um, we love hearing from all of you. Um, we want to hear more from you. Um, our email again is once again, ah crap, a hellboy podcast at gmail.com. Um, we just want to give you a heads up though. This is most likely this is going to be the last episode that we actually cover any of the emails until season four. Yeah. That you're listening to episodes following this are going to um, that are part of the season of three. We unfortunately won't be able to get to the emails, but that doesn't mean we don't want you to email us because whatever you email, right. we'll stockpile. And when we get back to it in the next uh, the season in 2020, we will definitely jump on those, you know? Yeah. Because we love hearing from all of you. Yeah, totally. And please answer these questions along with us that uh, Josh has posed. Yeah. They're very fun. They're very delightful. And not as heavy as those other ones. Uh, so we didn't panic. <laughs> <laughs> I still appreciate the other is one. Though. I do too. Like, I'm like, so you can make cool. us panic. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And when we cut back after our, uh, our brief break, we're going to jump right into chapter five, the final issue for the universal machine. <laughs> Did you mess up I on that? Up to right into the microphone. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll be right Bye. back. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is your Hellcasters, AK Crappers, um, coming into your ears during the break, real briefly, to let you know that we really appreciate you guys listening to the show and just want to say thank you so much. And if you have time and want to rate review and subscribe where in uh, apple music or wherever you guys get your podcasts go ahead and do that we really appreciate it uh, maybe show this to a friend who you want to convince to be as nerdy about hellboy as all of us um, that would be really great yeah we appreciate that and a reminder if you are using apple Podcasts to listen to the show and you give us a five-star review starting with the word boom we will go ahead and we will read your boom review right here on the show and give you a shout out and praise you because we really appreciate those boom reviews. Thank you again. And let's get back to the show. What do you say, Kate? Yeah. Welcome back to Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half demon hero hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Yeah. And, yeah. and we're going <laughs> to jump right into uh, the next chapter and the final chapter of the Universal Machine, which yeah. is chapter five. But before we do that, Kate, do you want to update or just do a really quick recap of where we left off? Yeah, just to listeners? remind everybody, don't forget it. It was written by Mike Mignola and John R. Cutie, illustrated by Guy Davis with Mike Mignola, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley. And originally published back in 2006. Our our newest character, Devin, and Andrew Devin, who is being surrounded by the wolves. Yeah, the wolves who are like the townspeople or like their spirits or, you know, they're like just cursed to be in these wolf bodies, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, just surrounding the telephone booth as he's like trying to get in touch with the BPRD. And like, he, I need to speak with Director Manning now. <laughs> and like, yeah. you know, so he's kind of caught in there. And Fabre is demanding either uh, um, Roger or their fish man, Abe Sabian, yeah. to, to, release, uh, to release Kate Corrigan. Yeah. So, oh boy. Yeah, it's pretty dire. Kate's like getting caught up with these like, you know, kind of evil 
ghostly people and she's trying to figure out a way to basically like outsmart them or get at least get out safely. Yeah. And I do think that brings us right into the cover because it yeah. does feature Kate Corrigan, who's in the center of this story. Features Kate with some blood dripping out of her hand. You're not sure what that is yet. And then there's like the cool, like that cool like symbol that's right in front of her that mm-hmm. we'll see shortly like what that is. We have like this sun and moon kind of thing that we've seen before with like alchemists and stuff like that. Then we have like a sweet looking demon, like the devil that was in that painting that she saw earlier in this guy's like collection and a few other like creepy demons sort of lurking around behind. And then of of course, as it has been with all the other issues in this storyline, Rogers sort of like fucked up body like torso and part of his head down there. Yeah, it feels like we're constantly just reminded of that. Like, what's that? The cat in the box? Um, <laughs> what's a that Shre- called? Schroeder's Shre- Shre- cat? cat? Yeah. I Like, right now as we're, we're getting into this fifth chapter, it's like, it feels like they've kept us, they're keeping us in like, a like Rogers, Schroeder's Roger. Roger Schroeder. Yeah, well, yeah, they're <laughs> just like keeping it, like this is like, Roger is, even though he's not in this, these issues, it's like him, everybody's thinking about him and talking about him and like sad about him and like mourning him basically. And his death is like literally cover, you know, it's like on the cover and it's in everyone's mind, like for like they're in their thoughts, you know, constantly in, the, in these issues. So it's a cool like visual way to represent that. That they're still going through this shit. And then a cool little frog. And then we're back to Manning basically talking to the team, sort of discussing whether they'll give up Abe. And Kate's like, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. We can't, we have to like think of a plan of attack. Um, And we also, and like Manning's kind of trying to be like, we sent out a team. Uh, we're looking at the uh, thought of like trading Roger's remains, which of course, like the team is not happy about, especially Johan. He's like, no, like Rod Rogers alive. Meanwhile, back in Abelman of uh, Devin is still on the phone trying to get, <laughs> you know, trying to talk to people. It's, it's like, just, we got to figure this out soon. Okay. <laughs> it's such a funny, like, r- like, a humorous but also dire like reveal at the end of the first page of that yeah like he's just been holding on and like on on the speaker yeah he's like uh okay guys uh they're sort of waiting for my answer and it's literally like a wolf standing and waiting in this like odd unnatural way and then it cuts back to the inside of this shop slash like home of uh Fabre, yeah. Fabre? Fabre. and he's like yeah, just kind of talking about how he's not going to wait for it. Like, you know, these, my friends aren't going to wait forever. They offer up the plate with the tortured bird on it. And it's basically like, yeah, Kate, you're in for it next. If you don't know, it's good for you. Kate's holding her own and she's like, back off, you freaks. <laughs> and like real quick, I want to sh- uh, point out that clock has the symbols we've been seeing. The sun, yeah, the, the, moon the sun and the moon that yeah. match all the cut co- that have been consistent on the covers. Oh yeah, totally. Which is very cool. Like a little like time's ticking away. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And yeah. But yeah. Definitely Kate is holding her up. Yeah. She's like, 
you know, biding her time, even though it's clearly like it's she's got to figure some something out quickly. Um, they're like, oh, well, the BPRD hasn't given, you know, we haven't made this trade yet. Maybe you're not worth that much. And she's like, you know, kind of putting everything back on him like. You know, Devin's just a kid. He can't make the deal. What if they had a change of heart and all this stuff? And she's still continuing to try to retrieve the book and, like, complete her mission. Yeah. Um, And she kind of starts, like, negotiating with him again, basically convincing him, like, uh, let me walk out of here with the book. We'll, you can keep Devin and we'll guarantee that you get everything that you want that you definitely get Abe and everything. And as he's like, okay, this proposal satisfies me. This is such a cool part. I thought, I am sure you are a lady of your word, more like a woman of action. And she whips out one of the like little knives that the freaks were torturing the yeah. bird with and chops off his fingers. I, love I just it. think that's a great exchange. Like, like, um, like lady of your word to woman of action. I think it's just a fun, like playful way to phrase that. I agree, and it's sort of just like, he's clearly talking down to her. Oh, yeah, he's being so condescending, and then she's like, fuck you, give me your fingers. (laughs) And he's like, and then he also does this great comeback to that, where he's like, uh, you know, she's, he's basically saying like, oh, you got in this little thing, like, he calls her a slut and hits her with the book, and then he's like, and what of it? I'll have four new fingers grown in a jar for me before the Sabbath. Like it's just such a funny thing to say back to someone like you idiot i'll have four new fingers by the sabbath (laughs) yeah i love that very fun and i i want to point out too that kate we've as a reader we've come a long way with her when we met her it was her first field mission with hellboy yeah she was very squeamish She's like i'm not into this she's like i don't know if i she was questioning the idea of even being in the film yeah and now we're to the point where like she's willing she's a badass a, yeah she's a badass for a friend gonna cut this this supernatural man's fingers off yeah <laughs> and then we also find out that it's like oh i wasn't even going for the fingers idiot i was going after this and she holds up this ring with the symbols that we saw on the cover as yeah. well and then everybody kind of like pauses all of the his like freaky little friends pause um, his little servant pauses and he drops drooling. the book. I love the the yeah. I, the the panel right after the, she holds the finger with the ring and him. Um, his just shock in yeah. his face, like uh oh, <laughs> yeah, like he was bested. Yeah, the by drool this woman. though, <laughs> and it's so fu- it's so cool. She's like, oh, you're so stupid to flaunt this. Now she's kind of like, fuck you. I know what all of this is. Like he's been, yeah, just treating her. You know, not only capturing her as a prisoner, but also being like condescending as shit and yeah. calling her stupid. And she's just letting him know, like, I know what this is. When Pope Sixtus the Fifth expunged the curse you put on uh, Abel Ben in 1491, he wore this ring, just as you said. She says the Cathedral of Sobran was mysteriously built overnight under Sixtus's supervision. Less than two months later, do you think I wouldn't know all that? Yeah. Or do you think I was just stupid to put to put two and two together? I love his plea right there. Yeah. Of wait, Doctor, wait, listen to me, and then oh, shut up. Shut up. Very Tosses Hellboy the, moment for her. Yeah. Shut up. Tosses the ring, and it's <laughs> swallowed by his servant, who then, uh, well, the finger and the ring, I should say. Yeah. It's swallowed by a servant who immediately starts transforming and bursts into 
becoming this like huge flaming demon. Oh. Um, yes, like with this giant fucking speech bubble and like crazy ripped open torso with fire like coming out of it. Yeah. Um, oh, more wine, Marquise. Like with this big, <laughs> I just imagine this like booming, like multi voice kind of de- like demon yeah. voice. Definitely shakes the room. Yeah. And then we find out that this servant basically was um, once the ruler of the seventh throne in heaven, now a prince in hell. So yeah, like the ring basically allowed the Marquise to control demons, including this one. Cause I thought for, you know, the beginning of this story that that was just another homunculus that was like, you know, just acting as a servant, like how the guy was talking about. Yeah. Um, like that other alchemists had used. Um, but it's like the prince take not taken alone. Here is my princess. Ib- Iblifica? 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 I didn't look that up. And then up. the bird on the plate starts transforming into this other like monstrous kind of bird creature with like uh, a bunch of like teats and like little uh, grasping arms <laughs> yeah. on the underbelly that kind of remind me of like Kothaham a little bit. Yes, very and, much. like these sort of ape-like like legs with yeah. grippy little toe fingers it has like a sack of legs under it yeah too. it's pretty crazy looking <laughs> that's that- my girlfriend <laughs> he I took don't... me and my girlfriend wake up and then she's also like you know she immediately starts going after these like little imp things that were torturing her no no dear friends you can't leave now i am eager to talk with you and like yeah. is picking them up I like how she has that flame too coming off of her. her yeah. Like she has a crown of her own. Yeah. It's cool. Love that. And then Kate, as all of this fucking, this is just going on. She's <laughs> like, uh, sees the book on the ground. And then it cuts back to panels of the demon talking to. Sabre. He says it right here. Oh, Cause yeah. I love this, this, I will take a thousand years to destroy your life from you. Fabre. Yeah. But as for your collection, <laughs> just destroys it in front of him. Which I like it's just the a, best. And I love yeah. that it's just like a like a little, a little like lift of his, of his finger. finger. Yeah, it's oh. like whatever. And he just burns this whole thing. And then we see the painting that Devin saw earlier when he kicked the door down. Now like flames are emerging from the the his like home from like Faber's yes. home in the painting. And I love that 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 demon painting too that's in the part of the destruction is what we've seen is also in the cover. And yeah. when she first, when first Kate came, it definitely we drew it. We were, our eyes were drawn to it. Yeah. Purposely. I think he's, a, it's like a painting that represents maybe this demon in a sense. It's cool. Very cool. And then as all of this is getting like engulfed in flame, Kate's like crawling after the book, but the demon like pushes her away, gone into this huge grandfather clock. Yeah. She doesn't get the book. The clock closes and these two demons are just wreaking havoc in this house, swallowing everyone and engulfing everything in flame. <laughs> Meanwhile, so out, Devin's in the phone booth and like this huge, crazy wind starts blowing. Giant bolts of lightning just start like ripping the wolves up from the ground and destroying everything, like destroying the whole town. <laughs> Worse than any hurricane I've ever seen, sir. And just a few minutes after it just stopped and like. The only thing intact is this phone booth, basically, from the rest of the town. It's complete rubble. Yeah, and the BBRD has arrived at this point. Yeah. And they're, like, they're like doing recon on it. They're yeah. Like, not recon, probably not, like, clean up. Um, but, yeah, this is so funny. 
I love this moment, this whole page. Yeah, the <laughs> grandfather stock, clock starts going off and BPRD agents rush over to it op- and it opens and Kate falls out. <laughs> and then one week later in Colorado, she's like, she's just like, oh, I almost had the book. The demon just flicked me away from it. And they were saying like, Manning's basically like, yeah, well, you survived, which is important. The book is n- means nothing if you don't. And then they kind of just start talking about how like, demon was she's also correcting um manning manning and saying like oh he wasn't a king a demon king he was a marquise which is also what fabra was yeah he wasn't they both were like basically presenting themselves as more powerful than they were maybe right yeah i think that's fun like i wonder why they really add this part of the conversation i think that's why like because abe then asked her to clarify is like what's that he kept calling himself a prince, but according to Warnell, he's just a Marquise in hell. And was just like, I'm sure lying isn't the worst thing he did. So what's next? Like, she's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like who cares about the semantics of this thing? But it is cool for Kate to add that for us to see like the, like the, I don't know, I guess just like this, like proudness that these like two evil beings basically have. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And of course, Pride. and of course proudness. a demon to like, probably got himself maybe in that trap by even using that like lie being yeah. like, I am a king of hell. And then it's like, okay, but if you, is more you got powerful. yourself trapped because you're actually not a king. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and then, it's very fun. Yeah. And then they're saying basically like Manning's like, that was the only copy of that book. We kind of can't do anything next. So that was Roger's last hope. And I know one guy who's still not giving up just yet. And we see Johan, going with his like ectoplasmic sort of power Mm -hmm. entering Roger's like the hole in Roger's chest. And then it cuts to Mignola's art, which is really cool. Cool choice to do right here to literally like take this home. Yeah. It's really neat. And then, yeah, we see his like sort of ectoplasm entering Roger's sort of subconscious or like his mind or something. Yeah, another realm of. Yeah. I mean, I I could only call it the homunculus realm in sense. Yeah, there's like there's, these images of the homunculi all around, like writhing and like not full, like missing parts of their hands and their just like parts of their bodies are missing. Johan comments on how he's still in his suit and not in like his human form, and we sort of hear. And like Johan sort of hears Roger saying, "That's how I know you." Yeah, he's the only one. I've never known you otherwise. It's like, oh yeah, that's true. Basically, Johan's asking like, "You're lingering here. Why haven't you moved on?" And he's like, "Gone on. I'm not human, Johan. Where is there for me to go? Then come back with us." Basically, is like, "Come, come on back. Uh, They'll definitely be able to think of a way for you to come back to the BPRD." And he says, "I don't want that. This place suits me better." I'm happy here. It's so peaceful. No enemies I need to kill. I didn't like all that killing. I didn't like how easy it became for me. Don't tell Captain Daimyo that. I think it would hurt his feelings, and I do like him. I just don't want to be like that. I like all of my friends. You were so good to me. I'll miss you. And, like, it's so So sad. sad. Yeah. It's like, we'll miss you, Roger. Are you sure there's nothing I can do? I know I'm not a man. Do you think it's possible you could bury what's left of me in the earth, like a man. Yes, yes, it will be done. You have my word. Goodbye. And then Roger shakes his hand and Johan sort of like turns back ectoplasmy and floats away. And then there's just a shot of like a human baby 
but holding that red ball, which we've seen in his dreams, Roger holding in his dreams. So yeah, I guess like in this place he can feel human and he's at the foot of the statue. I've, I assume the deity from when they went to Venice. Venice. Yeah. I can't think of her um, name right now either. Yeah. I feel terrible that I can't think of her name. Yeah. Especially in this just touching moment. And I love this little Roger BCA 1500D 2006. Great men. Oh, not- That's it. Sorry. Cena, yeah. You're all right. Yeah. Great men are not always wise. The book of Job. What a beautiful ending. <laughs> yeah. It's really beautiful. And I was so shocked because I was like, oh, I just assumed that they were going to bring him back. I was like, well, it's a comic book. Like they'll find a way to bring him back. And even Johan saying that where it's like, they made a containment suit for my spirit. Like they could bring you back in some form. And he's like, no, I, this is what I prefer now. Like I need to do this. Yeah. And I love that it is in a sense, because in a classic way, like, and this is going to be sort of layered, my thoughts on the Rogers death and his choice. It's his choice. Yeah. And it's fascinating that they, they allow the character to make that choice. Because if in a sense you could say, and this is me maybe being a little more, a little too heady about comic books, but in the sense of like Marvel or DC, these characters are constantly killed off and then a writer comes about and brings them back. Right, right. A writer does. Yeah. And it feels like in this world with Mignol, they're allowing this character to make the choice. It feels almost as if this character's like telling these writers, told Mignola and like our cutie, like, I don't. Yeah. That, I didn't like that. Can I just not? <laughs> it gives it more gravity too to like have it stick and be like, oh, this is, this happened and it's, this is the consequence. Like it's, it, it grounds it in a way because in real life, that's it. Like you're yeah. not bringing anybody back and it makes it feel more real in a sense. Like even though we're going into like Roger's, you know, thoughts and seeing him kind of passing on as much as he can, like it's, he's like dead as far as the BPRD is concerned. So it's like, yeah, there's just more weight to it and actual consequences to people dying in the book. And it, yeah, it definitely adds something, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I, I think it's just all just touching and beautiful. Especially and him for bringing- Johan to be touching his, to like say goodbye too, because Johan was like really caught up in trying to keep Roger around, probably because he's in a similar situation where he's like, not human, not mm-hmm. dead. Like, I think for him to say goodbye was really hard. So you do see both of these characters, like, being more developed by the story. It's really cool. I agree. And I love his touching on the fact that, I mean, I'm, we mentioned it already a little bit, but him actually, like, actually reflecting on what he became before his death is very fat, like, yeah. fascinating that he didn't like he was like it was like the idea that like he didn't he he became that thing too easily this like soldier yeah which was like honestly i think as a reader that that felt that way too not that yeah, it was it bad but it was like sudden. wow he was suddenly like now this this killer i wonder if that's almost a commentary i mean because he might have like heard back from fans to be like, Roger changed so suddenly. But he is like, and I think they do address that actually in those comics too, where he's yeah. like, he's a, he's like a blank slate and anything 
around him he's going to like pick up on and adapt to and change to. Yeah. And I think the writer Mignola and Arcudi were smart enough to be like, we need to address that. Yeah. Like we're addressing it along the way and now we're allowing the character to actually be like honest about it, which I think is, again, I keep saying the word beautiful. <laughs> it's great. Oh my it's gosh, such it's a so graceful like, end to this character. I like read it. I was like, ah, oh, like I like, you know, audibly sighed looking at this ending. Yeah. I got teary eyed over it's here. It's so sad. Uh, while we read it, I almost, I refuse to cry on Mike. Don't <laughs> be strong. <laughs> strength means having no sad feelings. <laughs> and what a, I think what a, yeah, no strong, no sad feelings. <laughs> no ever. sad feelings, only strong feelings. I think what a brilliant choice to Mignol to be like, I, I mean, who knows what the conversation was, but it feels almost like if we're going to let him go, I got it. I have to do the, the final because yeah, I created him. Yeah, I got to I got to be like last. sending him off. Yeah. yeah. It would it would feel a little weird if we sent him off without Mignola touching it. Yeah. But they were smart to do that. Wonder, wonderful end to the universal machine. And he does such a, I mean, Mignola does such a great job always with this kind of like nuanced facial expressions. But I think he does such a great job with Roger here. Like he's sitting holding the ball and then that next panel, a close up shot of his face, I think is like just really lovely. Yeah. It shows like. You know, he's, it's not like quite sadness anymore, but it's like, kind of, it's like very melancholy of an ending, but it's good. I would agree. And then, yeah. Do you have like any favorite panels and stuff? Um, From this? I mean, I definitely, I mean, just the final, all the Mignola final pages. I'm just Yeah, they're gonna, really just, great. It's just perfect. But uh, overall, I think. um, I still do like. Guy Davis's demon. Like, I like this open chest, like, kind of, like, flayed-looking thing, like, with fire coming out of, like, where intestines would be and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. I'm 100% on board. I was, my, I think mine is, is those, that last, is, eh, I, I, as much as I love the one where they're, like, the two demons are, like, fully destroying everything yeah i love the panel that's the one where it's the first reveal of the princess yeah she's bird, cool and the demons and the other demon behind her yeah i love that that's i cool think that image. panel is so good yeah and it's just the colors are perfect by stewart and guy davis they're just working so tandem together it's perfectly. really cool i think that would be it <laughs> and i do really like that below that panel the one where it's like fabre getting Grabbed up, by yeah. The, uh, it's so cool. <laughs> You're done, dude. And it's it. God, I. I mean, we. I already spoke to this. Like, I feel like we had been more in a very like, not not lack of of depth by any means in the other BPRD stories, but this one, the Universal Machine, seems so dense yeah so like they really were ambitious in addition to like they had this one storyline with kate trying to bring roger back but then we have these these backstories and yeah we introduced really fleshing out even more of these other characters yeah and then we brought in a whole other character that we don't know when will return of daryl the yeah (laughs) we go yeah and it's like very ambitious and then it's fun because each of those sort of had one of those and as we were reading this i was like oh does this one not have one like it doesn't really have like a side story and i was like oh no it does it it, it's more in 
exclusive of the main story, but it's like, oh, this whole last chapter with Roger is like his, you know what I mean? It's, we had the Damio thing. We had, the, I mean, that becomes front and center for me. Like that yeah. at the end is like, oh, this is the main story. Yeah. Like, we're all saying bye to Roger for seven or for five issues, basically. Yeah. Or like uh, looking at the character's relationship with death. And I mean, I feel like I should have seen it coming now. You know, you kind of see all these other stories about death being so final. But then I guess I guess it's kind of it's kind of torn. Like death is final for some of them and then not for like Daimyo and Johan. Like mm-hmm. there you do kind of hold on to the hope that they could bring Roger back. Yeah. And Abe is complicated because yeah. he's. Yeah, he's Once like living call, to, yeah. And now he's he's living like a dead man's life. Yeah, attempting of. to. Yeah. <laughs> Not living his own anymore. Yeah. There's a lot of just and I think this is a I don't know if this was intentional by them, but I I, I want to know your thoughts because I'm really comparing the universal machine similar to the island where I think the island for Hellboy is like this crossroads and now we're pushing and past that is going to be wholly new. You know what I mean? Like New territory. He's. It's almost like now we're going towards the end of this story, right? Yeah. And I feel a bit, and there could, right now, the Universal Machine feels like another crossroads, but for BPRD characters, especially with this now with Roger. But now we have all this new information that's on the table, and it really feels like what's going to come now. Yeah. Because we don't know everything about Damio. Yeah. Now, now we know this. Ne- we're just scratching the surface of yeah. the character. Yeah. And is Abe going to eventually be able to shed and get over this call thing and move on past that? Johan, we found out he's complicated too. What's that going to come? Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, Kate Corrigan is really showing herself as this badass. There's so much that just now is like jump forward in this really dense five issues. Awesome. It's so good. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I have any other thoughts other than that. Yeah, that's kind of (laughs) it. Sad Roger's gone, but it's also like cool. Like it does help the story and helps develop the remaining characters. And yeah, it's like at a certain point, how do you continue to develop a homunculus character? Like I feel like they gave him a lot of good attention, made him like made fans, gave fans the opportunity to like really fall in love with him and then took him away. And it's like super effective storytelling, even if it's sad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very sad, but very effective. Yeah. yeah. Things I think uh, we've said this before on the podcast and I probably broken record about it, but things need ends. Yeah. Something gets an end. It really, it enriches everything that came before it. I think so. For stories like this. And if, if, if you just, if he just came back and came back, he just, just he'd end up putting it down eventually. (laughs) <laughs> to be like, okay, I know he's going to come back. Yeah. Which is sometimes how I feel about like, and I'm a huge Marvel fan, but sometimes you do that. Like I'll get like, yeah, that person's gone, but they're going to fucking, right. they killed Rhodey off and now yeah, it's like Rhodey's no, back. There's well, no emotional impact from it for you, for the yeah. reader. That's cool. Anything right. you recommend based off of this? I'm going to suggest that people read, um, I think there's just two volumes of it now um, collected. It's just vi- The Vision. Little Worse Than Man is the first um, trade. But this is by Tom King. I do believe Tom King wrote also Miracle Man for DC, which I need to read. But then Gabriel Hernandez Walta is the artist. It's great. It's such a cerebral, cool, um, like 
It's sort of I've like seen that cover before. It's like a limited series, and it's about him like living. He has some vision. He's like created an art another artificial like intelligence family. It gets really complicated and complex about them trying to live like a domestic life. And I just as we were closing out Roger's story, I kept going, "Oh, Roger in a sense is sort of the vision of this universe." Yeah. And I was like, found it like there's some similarities like about connect. the way. Yeah. And so it, uh, that's my big suggestion is to read the vision. Cool. I think it's a very, it's a great read. Um, I don't know if I have anything else off the top of my head right now. I don't have anything super related to the comic. I don't think, but I did just watch Phantom of the Paradise for the first time. Have you ever Ooh, seen it's that? fucking great. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> it's a wild ride. It was really cool. I was like, oh, this is so sweet. And have you ever seen Shock Treatment? I might have recommended mm-hmm. that on here already. But it has the same actress, the woman from Suspiria. Oh. Um, and she, it's a, it's another musical. It's like a sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, so, I think I've heard of it and never seen it. Yeah, it's, it's, don't go into it being like, this is going to be like Rocky Horror Picture Show, because it's not. It's very different, but it's very fun still. And it's weird as fuck. <laughs> it's great. And then I also just watched... Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. And I I I liked it. I liked Is it. that the 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 um the gay subtext? Yeah, that. yeah, that's like the I've big heard thing it about good. it now. It's like, you know, it doesn't I mean, watching it now and having that in mind before I wa- rewatched it, it's very evident that that's like uh, like to no viewer to no modern viewer would you be able to miss that subtext i think it's pretty straightforward and then like but it's it's kind of sad because like at the time everybody denied it it's like height of like aids crisis and shit mm-hmm. and like the actor i believe was gay and like didn't really work after that because of all that shit yes so director and screenwriter were like we didn't put in any gay subtext. Maybe it was this actor like didn't throw him under the bus that hard, but like denied having any their input making this gay subtext a thing. Highly unfortunate. Yeah, it's just like a bummer, like that part of it. But it's like interesting for it to have become like a cult classic because of that now. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I don't like other than his. The main characters like stress of having like this secret of like being gay and it being so bad in his mind. It's like, I guess like beyond that, what, what does it really say about being gay other than like, it feels terrible to keep a secret, I guess. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to compare like being gay to like being Freddy Krueger, then that's, it's not like great. (laughs) Yeah. As far as that's concerned. But like, so that I was like, I was like, well, I guess if you're looking at that, it's like, I guess this anguish that this guy feels that's, true like of keeping a secret or something but yeah it's there's like layers to it i I, it's definitely worth a watch and i think there's like really great gross out shit in there and like i know like people don't love it because it takes freddie um like uh what's the dude's name england who plays freddy krueger i don't know his name i I know who you're talking about but i can't think of it um i think robert england (laughs) oh man (laughs) We have phones that will tell Robert us. England. Yeah. Robert England. Yes. So he was saying like this movie took Freddie out of dreams and like put him in the real world. And that's what he thought like made it not great because it like makes Freddie less scary. 
it like puts him in reality and that like makes him seem less scary when he's like at a pool or something. Right. Um, but I still liked it. Like I still thought there was cool Freddy shit and still creepy shit. That's um, cool. Yeah. So check that shit out too. I'll have to. I'll yeah. have to. I've never, I've only seen the first one and yeah. a new nightmare. So I'll have to oh, definitely yeah. check that out. Yeah. New nightmare is silly as hell. <laughs> Luke Field, friend of the podcast, lent me his, he has like a Blu-ray collection of all of them. And oh, I, was I like, love that. All right, sweet. I'll go through all of these. Great. I really want to see Dream Warriors. I heard people love That's what, yeah, three. the third one is what I'm on now and uh, I'll probably watch that later tonight. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I remember parts of it. I remember like the church. I remember like the some of the deaths from that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also remember not knowing what the fuck was going on and being just like <laughs> too young to like even comprehend it. Like I think I watched it when I was like 12 or something and it just scared the shit out of me. And yeah, so I'm interested to watch it as an adult. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like this story, the Universal Machine, has like baffled me a lot on like trying to find the perfect like references and referrals but i think it's just because it's a it just sort of stands on its own and it's in its depth and it's like it's density of what they've told so i hope no one's been let down by this this segment of us referring but this is all good stuff and this makes me excited to maybe revisit freddy krueger i'm not i'm i i tend to shy away from the scary movies but if people suggest a good one to me i will i will watch it that's how i got into babadook so Oh yeah, oh I I forget what it was called. The only thing that this that I guess the comic makes me think of for mm-hmm. a recommendation, and this is like pretty morbid too. <laughs> um, but it's like so like when um when my dad died, uh, which was about like a little over a year ago now. Right. I was like I don't have any really like recordings of him, and I was like how do I how can I save his voicemail? And there was a website. That you can go on and you basically like call his phone number through this other number. And I was able to like record his outgoing voicemail message. And I was like, this is such a fucking awesome invention. Like it was just like, I was just like so happy that I could even do that. That's amazing. So this kind of makes me think of that. Um, I forget what it's called, but I'll look it up because it's like really a cool thing. So I forget which one I was using, but. There's like third party websites, sites like VM Save, Voicemails Forever, and Life on Record, all specialize in preserving voicemails and outgoing messages. Um, some of them sites, some of these sites do cost a small fee. I don't remember paying any money for doing it, but yeah, it's just like that exists, and it's like cool that that exists. Anyway, yeah, I think that's, that's a great reference. Yeah, <laughs> a yeah. referral because they don't have to always just be the same medium or the yeah. uh, things you consume. It's just like a thing that yeah. it just made me think of it. I was like, just keeping some like memory of a person. Like this whole, you know, this whole series is like a sad one and like about grief and like acceptance and stuff like that. Yeah, so it just made me think of it. I think that's great. Yeah, lovely. Um, and we want to hear from you all about your thoughts on the Universal Machine, yeah. your thoughts on this story and the sadness of losing Roger. Um, I do want to remind you that we these emails will most likely not get um, touched on until season four. Season, January? Yeah, probably January is when yeah. we'll be kicking that off in 2020. Cool. Um, of course, this isn't the final episode of this season. Just letting you know this is probably the final one that we're going to tackle emails. Um but we still want to hear from you. It's not like we're not going to read them during our hiatus. So you can yeah. email us at ahcrap, a hellboy podcast at gmail.com. 
as well as you can follow us on Instagram at ah crap a hellboy podcast, Twitter ah crap hellboy. Um, we love hearing from you. We can't wait for that to to hear your thoughts on everything yeah. that we cover. But um, before we get to our final segment, we have one last uh, segment. Before that, <laughs> it is a segment I like to call more Mignola. And this is about, this comes from Deadline. Um, let me pull this up. It's about Mignola uh, in works right now um, on a series, like sort of like a, a new anthology s- series called Forever House. Um, the, the headline says Forever House, Hellboy creator Mike Mignola building a spooky dream property. Cool. So he'll be working with and partnering with Ben and Max Burowitz of Not a Billionaire in Starburns Industries, who also created Rick and Morty, to construct the Forever House, an eerie showcase described as a high concept anthology series inspired by international folklore. Oh, it'll be animated? It's live action show. Oh, it's live. I'm sorry. It, no, it's fine. It's live action. It will t- it, um, center on the title abode, a mysterious piece of unreal, unreal estate of a one of a kind um, repository for un- otherworldly objects and international artifacts with dark histories. Cool. The logline is existing somewhere between reality and nightmares. The forever house will encapsulate the feeling of an ancient tale told by the fire as we explore the disturbing and the macabre from the mind and sketchbook of Mike Mignola. Sweet. So it's really cool. It's like something that's getting further into the brain of the man behind Hellboy, Mike Mignola. Hell yeah. Um, there's a couple of other thoughts real quick on here. Um, it says that the industrial light and magic is on board to engineer the conceptual development for the series. Wow. Yeah. Um, they show this show will build on the uh, anthological traditions of such brands as the twilight zone night gallery and tales from the crypt cool. so sort of in that um vein of everything and these days it's a little closer to like american horror story black mirror of course as other references and then what else does he say here that i wanted to touch oh these are just some quotes from uh this is from mignola himself as he says in the article he says what started out started as a simple conversation with Ben over coffee is threatening to turn into a dream project, uh, Mignola said. And Starburns, how often do you get to partner with guys who not only understand your ideas, but have the vision and skills to take it far beyond anything you could have imagined and make it a reality? And then they say, this is um, Ben, um, uh, Berkowitz says, growing up as a devout comic book geek, my brother and I rapidly collected every edition of Mike's work. While the Forever House's twisted and sensational universe is the start of something profound for comic book fandom, this show is ultimately about creating a surreal sense of wonder for the kid in me who first fell in love with the Mignolaverse. And then he adds, fantastical as they are, myths are the ultimate real human story, immutable in their uh, meaning, Re- uh, resonating with generation after generation for millennia. So partnering with the visionaries of Starburns Industries to place a cutting-edge lens on timeless tales is our dream and hopefully someone's nightmare. Awesome. So it's cool. We're getting something that's like... What's it going to be on, did it say? I, I haven't been able to see if where they're taking it. Yeah. It's just... I don't, I don't, I didn't see anywhere in the article. It's just Starburns, which is also Dan Harmon is behind, right. is co-founded that. Um, and then there, that company is also Oscar nominated for their stop motion film and 
and Amelisa, mm-hmm. the uh, Charlie Kaufman film. So there's a lot of cool stuff. I don't know where, I don't think it ever says where it's going to be going. The guys from Starburn say this, James Fino, we couldn't be more excited to bring Mike Mignola's wonderfully twisted imagination to life. His funny, strange, sad, and beautiful, and beautiful creations are the kind of things we dream about making a reality. The world he is crafting for this project is one we can't wait to explore together. That's cool. Yeah, I think it's just cool to see like what else is ticking away in Mr. Mignola's head, and yeah, especially to see him bring it because we see we've seen his attempts in the sense of adaptations of Hellboy, of yeah. course. We've seen him. He's he had a little his fingers on a couple of other things like, uh, the biggest one being uh, Disney's Atlantis: The Lost. Um, Empire, which I'm a fan of, but yeah. it's, it's not like his fully. Right. It seems like these guys might be able to help him make something closer to like his vision. Yeah. Cool, especially if they're such big fans and longtime fans. I agree. Yeah. It'll be very cool to see what he creates in a different medium and with guys that are fans of him and build from there. Yeah. Very cool. So everybody should, you know, keep their ears to the ground for the forever house sometime in the future. <laughs> very cool stuff um, and that's the last segment before we close out on what I think unless Kate do you want to make this the final right hashtag hand right hand of draw I know we you have like a nice picture of Roger I love it yeah all right that'll be the last right hand of draw <laughs> that's it this is the last on this episode you're listening to right, right now, now is the final hashtag right <laughs> hand of draw and it will be a just give us a nice picture like Roger of Roger. Roger being human or something. Yeah. Doing something fun. Honor Roger. Yeah. Honor Roger. Cool. And that's it. That is the final hashtag right hand of draw. Yeah. Um, if you want to participate in that, which we really encourage and we love, um, do post it to Instagram, your, your drawing, and um, tag us at Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, as well as use the hashtag right hand to draw. That'll allow us to be able to then repost it onto our feed in that sense allows our um, followers to see your art yeah. and praise you and then eventually that will make you a big rich artist yeah <laughs> that's all we want is you to be big and rich and that's do it. your art that's for money <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you again for listening um, what a what a journey on this one to get to this end yeah uh, um, for Roger I'm still still shaken up by it yeah but we'll see you um in the next episode yeah. just wanted to let all our listeners know that unfortunately our live show was canceled we will not be doing a live show um, as planned on Saturday November 2nd we hope to do a live show in the future uh, we'll always keep you guys updated on that but this season uh, will close out still on us covering the Hydra and the Lion unfortunately it just won't be a live show so we hope to hear from you after that episode posts and we'll see you in 2020 after the season ends thank you um and also if you want to like bring me and kate out into your local area and do a live show let us know but again thank you once again for listening and keeping our show great because it wouldn't work without all of you out there thank you again and remember we love you laugh at me Beth yeah I was so confident until she gave me those crazy eyes (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, let me repeat that. And also, it's a word that's made up, and she's laughing at me for mispronouncing <laughs> a word that she doesn't even know. <laughs> that might be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Katha him said. So Katha him. Chinaman and Katha him. I'm Joel Spence. And I'm Deborah Tarika. And we're co-hosts of This Particular Album is Very, Very Important to Me. This is the podcast where we ask people we love to pick an album that is very, very important to them. And here they share their memories. Great and not so great. And emotional connections. Great and also not so great. And we all get to listen to it through their ears. Join us for season two with all new guests like, uh, well, you got your Al Yankovics, you got your Kulov Lysaks, you got your Grant O'Briens, your Lauren's Lapkus, your Ego's Wodum, and your Rachel's Bloom. Well, there's more than that. Available at Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.